0: The scripture reading for today is from the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to the heaven, but beat his breast and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted.
1: You may have noticed last week when I got up to sing since I wasn't doing the sermon, that I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I could stand up and talk to 20,000 people all day long and I, it wouldn't bother me a bit. And I may eventually find something to say <laughs> as I do that. But standing up and singing is... Something that really makes me shake in my shoes a little bit. And I attribute that to my vocal coach, Les Davis, who made me go to competitions from junior high all through high school, and where basically you would stand in front of four people and they would judge you. <laughs> as to how well you would sing and you know wasn't there's nothing particularly wrong with that so much except that along with me was one of Les's other students Darren Hogan with whom I had had a long rivalry from when we were just young children Darren Hogan looked so much more put together than I did And he, you know, he, he seemed to be, you know, he got all the girls and just seemed to have things just a little bit better than me. And there is not one competition that we went to where Darren Hogan's rating and judgment came out just one or two points above me every time (laughs) in the four or five years we did it every time he beat me out by just a little bit and it drove me crazy and I just I always wanted. and you know what else it did it caused me to knock Darren down a little bit every chance I got <laughs> I uh, in fact to this day I find myself when whenever I talk to him on the phone or something like that finding some way to make fun of him in some fashion and I need to apologize for that somewhere along the way but it really stems from this rivalry we've had. And what makes me nervous about singing is knowing in my heart of hearts that I'm just a little bit worse at it than Darren Hogan. <laughs> and even, even now, when I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in my voice and, and feel satisfied with it, I still, when I stand up in front of you, I still see those four judges ready to mark me down (laughs) and you know i tend to think that the pharisee in our story today had the same attitude as he went into it it's not so much how good he is but how good is he compared to everybody else and as he walks into this place, he sees this man. You know these, and and the scene we walk into here is that people would gather to the temple for prayer time and they would bring an offering into the temple. And they would offer up prayers of thanksgiving. And this is the prayers of thanksgiving that are going on in the temple. And there's several courts there. There's the, the court of Gentiles where which was as close to the temple as the Gentiles could get. And they would mill around. I don't know if they would pray or not, but they would mill around out there anyway. And then there was the court of women, which was as far as the women could get, you know, as close as they could get to the temple. And then there was the court of Israel, which is where the men went. And that's where this is going on. And then beyond that is the court of priests, where the altar was, where offerings would be made. And then there was the holy place and the holy of holies, Inside the temple, but here in the court of Israel, the men stood around, and the Pharisee would find a nice prominent spot, and you know, and and it was like a it was like earlier, you know, it's not a contest, but if it were, the Pharisee would win, right? Offering this eloquent oratory of his his uh, prayer of thanksgiving, and his prayer of thanksgiving is like this. Thank God I'm not like this man. And there was this man probably hiding behind a pillar like this one over here, down on his knees praying to himself. And this Pharisee, a good man, went to church, gave of his time and his, and his offerings. Right? He did all the right stuff. Thank God I'm not like this tax collector who again, trying to be unnoticed, sat in church and wept his heart out and beat his chest. And i got to tell you, only women do this in first century Palestine. This is, a, this is a feminine thing to do, to sit there and beat your chest. But here this man sat on his knees, face downturned, beating his chest. Have mercy on me, God, a sinner. And I think if that tax collector had been paying attention, he would have turned to the Pharisee and he might say, hey, now wait a minute, if you think I'm bad now, you should have seen me before. Because I contend that you don't get to a place where you're sitting in church weeping, face downturned, beating your chest humiliating yourself in public. You don't get to a place like that unless something incredible has happened. Something has changed in this tax collector's life. I say that with certainty because tax collectors are not known for their humility. Tax collectors were not known for being the most repentant of men. Tax collectors were known to be godless And without conscience. They were crooks who stole from their own people. They were traitors who betrayed the people of God over to Rome. And tax collectors didn't have a friend in the world. Romans didn't like them because they were Jewish. And the Jews didn't like them because they were traitors. And so tax collectors hung out with other tax collectors and resented it. But something happened. Something changed that made all that he had done finally seem wrong somehow. Something had happened that made all that he had acquired seem useless. Something had been lost that left him feeling less than whole. Something had transpired that made him realize that the only one who could give him what he needed to feel whole again was God. So here he was, broken, alone before the creator of the universe, begging for mercy, crying in church. Maybe even not sure why. This man, Scripture tells us, left justified. This man left righteous before God. And someone should have been there to tell this Pharisee to say, hey, you know what? If you are lucky in this life, someday something will happen that will break you in the way this man has been broken. Because he has left justified. Someday, Pharisee, all the righteousness that you think you have produced on your own will not be enough. Someday, all your wealth will mean nothing. Someday, your prominence in this society, your popularity will be surpassed by someone else and people will forget all about you and you'll wonder what happened. Someday, you too may find yourself on your knees and at that moment, God will seem more real to you than God had ever seen before. And maybe for the first time in your life, you will really feel like you need a relationship with God. Because this is really the plague, isn't it, that we have to face. It's this rugged independence. It's this notion that we are somehow self-made. And we honor that in our society. This rugged and righteous independence that we have that says, I can do it all on on my own, and I don't really need God. This pride that convinces us that all we have is of our own making. The reality is, and this seems to be what Jesus is trying to say here, is that righteousness, which in our translation today was translated as justification, same word really, Righteousness and justification is not something you earn, but it's something that you receive only through the mercy of God. The tax collector saw that, the Pharisee did not. The Pharisee wanted to give us credentials, the Pharisee wanted to list out his checklist. Did I tithe? Oh, yeah, I tithed. Did I come to church? Yes, I came to church. Did I pray? Oh, yes, I prayed. Listen to me pray. It's it's eloquent, it's wonderful. So often we think that would be so much easier if God just gave us this checklist. And when we did it all done, we would stand before God righteous. It doesn't happen that way. Righteousness happens on our knees pounding our chest before God. Part of the problem is that the Pharisee here held his own life up against that of the tax collector in the same way I hold my singing ability up against Darren Hogan. He says to himself, boy, you know, compared to this guy, I look pretty good. And looking for someone like this tax collector, it becomes easy to feel pretty confident about one's own righteousness. For example, if I were to haul a drug dealer or a pimp in here and say, Look at this pimp. (laughs) Compared to him, I look good. I look great. I'm Mother Teresa compared to this guy. It's pretty easy to feel good about oneself. It's pretty easy to feel like I've got my act together. In fact, I don't really even need to work on my faith life at all. I've, I've got it all together. Kind of reminds me of this, <laughs> this mother. I, when I was a youth pastor, there was this woman in the church had a teenage daughter and I would, I would always say, Hey, what do I, you know, how can I get your daughter to start coming to youth group? She'd have a great time this is what the mother's response to me was well you know I would I would you know make more of an issue of it but she's such a good girl I hate to bug her about it and I'm like really that's (laughs) that I'm only supposed you know as if youth group was about all the problem children getting their act together right and only if you have problems then you really need to go to youth group otherwise if you've got your act together you don't really need church right this is just for people who can't seem to get their act together, right? Like me and you, apparently. And I thought, well, that's, what a bizarre way to look at it. That, well, as long as she's a, she's a good person, she doesn't need to go to your youth group. <laughs> and it seems like the Pharisee wanted to say that too. Hey, I've got it all together. I've got it all put, put right. I don't really need to humble myself. I don't really need your mercy, God. I don't really need forgiveness. What do I have to repent from? Well, there's the, tri- there's the trip up right there. There's the rub. Until one begins to realize that one would not be where they are without God and without other people. As I look at my life, it would be easy for me to look at myself and go, Wow, I'm doing pretty good. I've got it all together. I haven't robbed anybody. I'm not strung out on drugs. I'm 41 and I've I've made it pretty far. Until I start to realize how many people had a hand in bringing me thus far. I grew up in a great home with love and support from a a great family who grew up in a home with a lot of love and support in their great family going generations back. I lived in a great neighborhood where I didn't have to worry about crime and where my next meal was coming from. I had a reasonable education and then I was supported in that education and I got to make a lot of mistakes... Over and over again, but I because of this great bubble I had, those mistakes didn't cost me very much, and I got to try and try again. A lot of people only get one shot when they make a mistake, they pay and they pay dearly. I haven't paid very much at all, and where would I be if not for the the intervention of so many people in my life, and even just offhand circumstances. So there comes a time when for me to claim justification on my own merits, for me to say I am righteous before God, that seems pretty cheeky on my part. It would be more accurate to say we are righteous before God. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God for the mercy. Thank God for each other. Thank God that God is a God of mercy. Thank God for Jesus Christ who, who is the pointer of the way. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that stirs up inside and says, Something's missing and you need it. Look to me, look to each other. There is no I in righteousness before God. For if I stand before God righteous, it's because of you. And if any of you are not justified before God, I get the feeling God's going to ask me about it. Hey, how come you left Mary behind? (laughs) Hey, what about so-and-so? I mean, your life was great. What about theirs? Where were you? And I think on this day, in this parable, looking at this tax collector, my prayer is for the Pharisee. That that Pharisee will have a day. And it doesn't have to be. You know, oftentimes these come-to-Jesus moments happen when the whole world is falling apart and we find ourselves weeping in church, not understanding why. It doesn't have to be that way. It can just be that epiphany moment. And my prayer for this Pharisee would be for this Pharisee that he might have that epiphany moment when he looks around and realizes, you know what, I'm not righteous because of anything I've done, I'm righteous because of God. Because of who God is, and who God has brought into my life. I'm righteous because God has mercy on me, a lowly sinner. And with righteousness and justification comes responsibility. To bring as many along with me as I possibly can. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we stand before you as those who have received your mercy. As those who have experienced the love of this fellowship, of family, of friends. As those who have been dealt good cards in our society Help us to recognize the responsibility that comes with blessing. And may we be humbled by the series of circumstances that have brought us thus far. Recognizing that we all have cause to rejoice. And that only in our brokenness can you lift us up. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.